Welcome back to the Balls Deep podcast with me, Jake Ball. Today's guest is Dr. Molly Deneen, a junior doctor who graduated early to support the NHS during the pandemic. She also became something of a spokesperson for doctors in her situation. As well as these things, we talked about her daily routines, stigma as a barrier to moderation, and finding purpose in being kind. The title is Surviving Not Thriving. I hope you enjoy. Um, can you hear me all right? Does that sound fine to you? Yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're great. Okay. I you really well. Nice. Um, are you happy to get started? Yeah, ready when you are. You've done stuff like this before anyway, haven't you? Yeah, I think I've actually used this um, this little platform before. Have you? Yeah, I did one podcast back a few months ago. Um, that was strange because I obviously hadn't never met the guy and I didn't know him at all, so... Kind of met him over podcast. <laughs> it's a bit. It's nice knowing your your face to the name. <laughs> Should we make a start then? Let's Can you um, just start off by telling everybody who you are? Um, just generally, just tell me a little bit about you. Okay. Um, yeah. So hi, I'm Molly Deneen. Um, I'm originally from just a small village south of Winchester, um, but I now live in Exeter, and I'm a junior doctor. Um, having graduated early during the pandemic so I've now been working for nearly a year yeah yeah nice um Miles can you tell me a little bit about the early graduation um, and your halted plans as well yeah so it was all a bit crazy the last year has been yeah total whirlwind so we in our final year of medical school we normally get the opportunity to go abroad for a couple of months um it's kind of a bit of a reward at the end of the five years and we get to take our skills and kind of put them in another context and experience healthcare in another culture so I'd planned a month in New York and then a month in Cape Town um so I jet off at end of February last year um ready for a month in New York and after two weeks obviously all of this was kicking off and so I got an emergency flight back home landed home middle of March and then the news headlines started about medical students possibly being drafted into help and yeah within within 10 days or two weeks I was graduated from my back garden um and then yeah beginning of May I was straight in on a, on the ward so it was yeah crazy couple of months that is mad and how does it work I know nothing about it so like did you know where you were going to be working like which wards you're going to be on had you already set that up or it was an admin nightmare basically um <laughs> so I mean first of all we had all the contracts and things to read through and we, it was a decision to make we could decide to graduate early or to not so it depended on whether we felt like it was the right thing for us to do um, yeah. And we were given the decision of do we want to stay in the hospital we're based for our medical school studies or do we want to go ahead and start in the hospital that we would be starting in in August as a junior doctor because we'd already been assigned our placement. Uh, okay, so you're assigned it already. Yes, yeah, so I knew that I was going to be in Exeter from August, but at the time I was actually in Cornwall as a medical student. So I decided okay. to stick in Cornwall at the time that was where there was the least COVID. Um, yeah. And I knew that I had the beaches and things to escape to. So I stuck with Cornwall. I signed the contracts and then the general medical council had to kind of give us our provisional registration, which all took a bit of time and all these things. But really, I didn't know much more about what I was going to be assigned to the job, what I was going to be doing. Um, and we were told we were going to be quite protected. But equally, that's I know not always logistically possible. So, yeah, it was a bit of a bit of going in just unknowingly, really, and a bit, bit of taking a bit of a gamble. Um, but I thought I I felt ready at that time, really. That's really cool. Um, and I was just thinking about that, actually. So you 
you didn't know this was on the cards, did you? You came home because of the COVID situation, um, purely just to be back in the UK, right? Yes, I didn't want to be stuck in in New York, obviously, with the prospect of my family getting ill or not being able to get back to them. Um, And actually, New York shut down a few weeks before everything kicked off here in the UK. So really, everything was on total lockdown in New York. So I just thought I need to get home. Um, and the flights were starting to be cancelled. So I just came home with the prospect of being with my family for a, a couple of months um, and waiting to see what happened with medical school and things. But yes, yeah, so I had the first I knew of it was the news headlines of saying, you know, medical students might be asked to join the workforce. And, and from there, it, it just happened. That's pretty nuts. I mean, do you feel the pressure for young people, particularly starting your career as a new graduate, to sort of forego stuff in the present um, sort of make sacrifices for I suppose for your future so your future career in a way you know giving up your travel plans and jumping straight in um, although it was something that your travel plans had already been interrupted by mm. Covid um, I mean what are your thoughts on that like do you think there's too much pressure to do things like that or you know are you still confident that you can have a bit of life alongside your work? I think life outside of medicine is something that we're all trying to work out how we navigate but I think I think there is there's this kind of identity that comes as being a doctor and it's something that we're almost trained up for and we go through professionalism training stuff at medical school but as you say we're almost given this identity as a doctor and it's this kind of this feeling of giving to others and and helping others and ultimately that is why we've all chosen the career um sometimes as you say you do have to remember that you know looking after yourself before others as well is such so important and I think at this time we have all just given ourselves over to help and that is what we all ultimately want to do. Um, but there will become a time when we do want to kind of get back those those things that we, we deserved at the end of medical school, like those travel plans and things that we need to do to keep ourselves happy. So I think, yeah, at the moment we're going to do everything we can to give and help others. And But, you know, as you say, there will be a time when we have to to remember to to give ourselves those those luxuries as well and try and build our own lives around medicine because yeah. from the very start of my career I'm 100% in with my career and at the moment I haven't really yeah. got a life outside of my career so I'm going to have to learn how to do that later on I think. Yeah and that's an interesting one you say that you're sort of prepped for that uh, yeah your identity is you know you're Dr Molly Deneen aren't you <laughs> so you you live and breathe medicine I suppose you know you go to work like that but you also take this identity home with you um what's that like so what's your living situation at the minute like are you living with so at the moment, I mean, with, yeah a housemate a medical school uh friend who I've known for throughout medical school and we're both junior doctors yes yeah, so and me and just okay. one mate yeah so that must be I mean is that good to, to feel like you're in that environment all the time um I said to you I was speaking to my friend who's a who's a vet and he said it's quite nice he goes home to his family who have no idea about like anything that he's doing so he can sort of go home if they want to talk about it he can bring it up but he's not surrounded by by people like that do you feel like there's a lot of immersion into that or do you think it's quite helpful to be able to explain how your day's been and have some commonality with that other person yeah I think I think you've hit the nail on the head like it's pros and cons and and you're absolutely right that you take it home with you um and I think that is something about being a doctor is that you you do just you can't leave the work the moment you walk out the door and the job does just take over your life and that's primarily because of the hours that we spend in the hospital but the emotion takes over and it it's it's a really intense career let alone at this time 
Um, and it's so, so important to process all of that. And that does mean talking about it and talking with people that understand. But it also means escaping and doing other things and talking about other things. Um, and I do really appreciate the ability to kind of talk through cases and things that I've seen with my housemate. And he has an understanding. But I also really appreciate talking to non-medics about the experiences I've had because it almost puts them back in context. Like when I ring my parents and say, well, I've done it in the day, they just go, oh, my gosh, that's really huge. And I just go, actually, yeah. actually it is. <laughs> Whereas if I talk to my housemate, he'll just go, oh, yeah, like standard. Um, but, you know, if yeah. I say, you know, today I witnessed this, you know, and it's nice to have somebody who's non-medical to, to make you appreciate the weight of what you're doing and seeing. So yeah. you've got to do both. And I think just remembering to take yourself out of that context is important at times. No, that sounds so mature. That sounds like a really, you've, you seem like you've got a good balance with it. Um, what sort of things do you do to, I suppose what I want to say is you're dealing with all these visceral emotions, yeah. you know, highs and lows. You're seeing, you know, all aspects of life, really. What are you doing for yourself to, to sort of soothe that? Really? I think that's, that's probably what I'm struggling most with this year in that, you know, we are, we can't escape COVID anywhere. And I think, you know, my days are filled with it. And then I come home and I'm just desperate to find some escapes. And I'm, I'm learning what those escapes are for me. And as I said, I have never, I've never had a job in a normal environment. I started work during the pandemic. So I still don't really know what it's like to have a work-life balance. Um, so I'm trying to like learn all of that. I, sport is my big thing. And um, when I was down in Cornwall doing my interim, I tried to swim in the sea or surf almost every day after work, which was so nice. good um now I'm in Exeter it's a f only a little bit further to the coast so swimming in the sea and going to the beach is definitely my kind of happy place and then just running cycling just getting outside but it's really tough at the moment because my shifts can often end at seven or eight at night and then it's dark and um so it can be really difficult in which case I'm just trying to pick up extra things and my, over this last week my new hobby was to write a little poem about something that happened in my day um, nice yeah I saw that on Instagram. yeah I think it just it's just getting into some sort of headspace that's not that kind of intense scientific mind just yeah. doing something a bit creative is nice that's really good are you a creative person like, have you always had that or do you think it's something that you're just you're picking up now to to escape um do you know I think it's probably something I had as a kid and have probably lost because I think you it's a shame we naturally get put into a box don't we as we go through school you become either scientific or creative or whatever and I think yeah. I probably was as a child and then I lost it going down the medical route so I'm trying to claw it back um and I don't know maybe I'm not quite as good at it as I thought I was <laughs> no that's that sounds really good uh, a couple of people I've spoken to um one of asked them about sort of their routines. They sort of said that it's it, they find it really important to find that aspect of of like play. And I think I think being creative probably comes into that. Like going back to maybe how you felt as a kid. You know, just being peaceful and being able to explore how you're feeling and things like that. Yeah, sounds I, a bit wishy washy, but I do think I think there's something to it. No, you're right. I think I think life's gone back to simplicity now, which is what it is as a child. Actually, like life is just so simple. It's about eating sleeping playing just being really simple um, and trying to get happiness out of that and that is what being a child is like so actually I think there's there's something in that for sure yeah so you think that COVID sort of stripped you know being in the pandemic we've sort of stripped back to that simplicity do you think yeah we have just, uh... I think we have and we've stripped back you know all the complexity that comes with life and it's just now about simple person-to-person -person interactions and um, just getting joy out of as you say just a conversation with friends or something 
Um, yeah. And yeah, I think we're all valuing just those simple things in life, aren't we? And actually, in a way, it's good to strip things back and just say, okay, it's so important to eat healthy. It's so important to get an hour of exercise a day. And actually, that is a really good way to look at life sometimes. Maybe not yeah. for the long term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can you could easily just fall on that sort of conveyor belt of just trundling along like that. But I think, um, yeah, I think you're right that we're getting back to a bit of simplicity. Um, what can you tell me a little bit about your daily routines there, Molly? Like um, you mentioned all the sport that you, you do. Is that like a daily routine or is that weekly? What is your, have you got helpful things that you do each day? Um, or is it as and when you can? I think interestingly, there's largely no such thing as a routine as a doctor because one, you can be doing three night shifts, then you can be doing three, you know, weekend shifts and then night and then yeah. evenings. And, but um, I quite like that actually. I'm not a total stickler for routine. Um, so I do quite like things changing, which actually I've struggled with during the pandemic because it just becomes work and home and work and home. And to me, that's too, I like the kind of chop and change. But I'm, you know, I always get exercise, whether that's at least, you know, once a day, whether that's just a walk around the block at the least. Um, but ideally a cycle or a run or, you know, something, a swim in the sea. Or So always try and do that every day. Um, I always try and have an hour of just doing something completely just luxurious escapism whether that's you know just watching an hour of trash television or just yeah. you know writing a poem or something like that I always try and do something like that in the day but that is something that I sometimes find hard to find the time to do um I always try and check in with somebody as well whether that's parents or a friend or something at least once one person in the day just so it's not just that kind of work and home and you lose that kind of context of the world so those are the things, but n- not in kind of a strict routine way, just just trying to keep things varied. Um, can I take it right back now to your media whirlwind, <laughs> as I'd like to call it? Yeah, I think I'd agree. <laughs> so That's what it was. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, yeah, it was absolutely nuts. Yeah, a whirlwind, so for sure. This is, this is around the time where you have just graduated and you've just started um, your journey, I suppose, as a junior doctor. Mm. Um you well can you just explain I mean what was it like and how did that media attention come about so the day that the university announced that we definitely would be graduating early they started to get a lot of interest from media outlets and probably being the gobby person that I am the medical school thought oh yeah Molly will be a good person to chat to them (laughs) so um so I'd done a few just kind of tours for prospective students and things like that at medical school so one of the members of staff got in touch and just said would you mind kind of speaking to some of these um people that want to hear about your perspective of graduating early and I said yeah sure and gave them my phone number and in the next 48 hours I had been on BBC Breakfast Radio 5 Live I'd written an article for Vogue magazine it was just ridiculous yeah that is mad it was crazy and I think over the next week yeah I'd been on pretty much every media channel that I'd ever seen but it was um it was you know it was it just perfectly depicted how crazy that time was and how much of a mad situation that I was in yeah that is nuts I just remember seeing you everywhere like (laughs) you know for I don't know maybe a couple of weeks wasn't it where it was like, put the telly on, oh, look, it's Molly Deneen. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it was nice that uh, I think I was really keen to share the 
fact that we'd chosen to do this, this is something that we wanted to do. This is, we wanted to help. We did feel ready. I mean, I would, didn't want the public thinking that, you know, we were just drafted in and we felt forced to go and do things that we weren't competent to do. Like I was happy to share the fact that and sound willing, which I absolutely was, um, yeah. and reassure the public that we were perfectly capable of taking this on. Um, yeah. yeah, and I was proud to share that. And I think um, it was a nice, a nice way to do that. And, and it was so nice that they were so interested to keep up with that over the next, which is why I then ended up probably everyone was sick to death of seeing me because they wanted to follow me through and see how it went over the first few months. And um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was a bit of fun. That's great. How did it feel um, to sort of be a spokesperson for, for other people? I suppose were there any were there any doctors you knew of that that were maybe unwilling or felt the pressure to jump on board with that or do you think that everybody had the same outlook as you so there were certainly doctors um or medical students that chose not to graduate early and some of my friends were in that cohort um and i was we had a really nice kind of online forum at that time where people could express concerns or worries or share thoughts um and i explained that this is that I had was doing some of these interviews and so I was trying to gather some opinions and from the rest of the group on this online forum so I felt as though I could represent the group as a whole um but it did I did feel responsible to kind of represent the fact that not everyone was ready to do this and not everyone felt so confident but hopefully I got that across and and I did feel some responsibility that I knew it wasn't just me in the situation there was lots of us and hundreds across the country of medical students that are in the situation that's mad yeah and how long roughly were they you said they sort of touched base with you again is that something that's still ongoing or I mean how long was that going on for yeah I've just written my second article for Vogue last week so um, amazing that's great no it is still going on and actually now that we're hitting kind of again any waves of Covid again and it's um it's brought more interest back and it is nice to just share some of the challenges that we've faced and I think I think instinctively we're all interested in other human beings as people. I think people are thinking, oh, what are the bus drivers doing at the moment? What are the teachers doing? And I think people are like, oh, yeah, what, what's happened to the medical students and the first year doctors? Like, How are they feeling? Yeah. I think it's nice to just say, you know, from our perspective, this is how my year has been because everyone's year has just been so different. Um, so it's nice that people are interested and, and it has been a really challenging year. And I think it's just nice to share the highs and the lows. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think, yeah, Molly, you definitely, I wouldn't say that you're gobby, but it sounds like you're the right person <laughs> for that job. And definitely, um, you know, articulate and able to to explain how all the, you know, all the different perspectives of, of the different junior doctors, like you said, going to that forum and, and trying to find out how some of your other friends are feeling. I think that's good. What I was going to ask you was, um, I, I don't think it's even relevant, actually, from based on your answer, but I was going to say that I personally, I struggle with ego and I can imagine that I would have really struggled with that like whirlwind of attention um, and then transitioning back to normality and just getting on with work and, you know, being back into the mundanity of of the daily life. Um, But it's still ongoing. So can you relate to that at all or um, is it something that's it's purely been positive for you well I think this has purely been something on the side I mean ultimately my job is being a doctor and ultimately that is my priority and I would never do anything or accept anything that that put that kind of in jeopardy at the end of the day that is my priority like if people ask me to do interviews or things at work that was going to take me off the walls that's that's not something I'd do so I think 
remembering that this is just something on or kind of just sharing the story in my free time and and it has been in my free time it has kind of kept me kept that the two very very separate um so and it's also, a bonus really yeah it's a bonus and it's it's part of public education and public awareness and that actually benefits you know my patients I'd like to think as well in a way um and ultimately I think it's it, I'm proud of what we've done and the proud of how the last year has gone for all the medical students and the amazing way in which the medical school and the medical students have come together to achieve boosting the workforce and I, I, it's a pride rather than a egotistical thing I'd like to think that's great that's really commendable yeah I, I really like the way you it sounds like you've handled that um I've got a question from a listener go for it so someone's asking for your views on the conflict between the sometimes extreme body positivity uh, movement that we see versus the need to highlight the importance of being healthy to sort of stack the cards in your favour, um, particularly with respect to the pandemic. Um, what do you think about the sort of pride in, you know, quote unquote, unhealthy body types when this sort of allegedly is the reason behind lots of deaths that we've been seeing from COVID and I'm sure from plenty of other illnesses? Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a big one. It's, um, I think as a medic we would always say everything in moderation and anything in in to an extreme is unhealthy even you know the what even the most healthy things such as exercise and healthy foods anything to the extreme and overused is unhealthy um and what we should all strive for is balance and moderation and therefore you're absolutely right the extremes of body size and weight and all these sorts of things again like everything else in their extremes are unhealthy um and we should all try and help those achieve better moderation and better education about how to achieve moderation and i think that is a challenge at the moment because we are in a society where people are advocating extremes um especially with as you say all the fitness and wellness things on instagram which is brilliant but again those things to the extreme can be unhealthy um, yeah. so it's about just regaining some balance and I think people are used to following a certain trend on Instagram or whatever and so they see just the ex- just consistently see fitness or consistently see wellness because that's the things they're interested in and actually it's better for them if they can follow some of that but some of other things as well just to keep that balance so yeah, yeah that's that was what I I try and that's hopefully that's not sitting on the fence but I think actually sitting in the middle of any anything is the best yeah no I think that's really good I think um that's a diplomatic answer but I think also you're right that it's the extremes that are damaging so you're right to be sitting in the middle there I think um it reminds me of something that for some reason keeps coming up but especially when we think about the wellness things and how we can very easily use all of those positive things to to sort of beat ourselves over the head with um and make ourselves sort of feel inadequate or or crappy Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, like you say, the extremes are on both ends. So hopefully yeah. that's answered. I think that has answered that question quite nicely. Yeah, I think if you, there, you, if you it said, was even a question. If we're trying to achieve extremes, as, as you say, you can, all you're going to do is end up beating yourself up because achieving extremes is a, is a massive goal. <laughs> if you're trying to, yeah. you know, lose a ridiculous amount of weight or, or something like that. I mean, it, it's an extreme and you're only going to end up losing because ultimately our bodies want to bring us back to moderation. So, so. But from 
from your perspective as well, so I think what this person is getting at is is people who are perhaps in unhealthy body types. So right. how I interpret your answer is that um, it's fine to have pride in those body types, but we should be doing as much as we can to sort of um, encourage moderation and maybe not stigmatise being like that or looking like that, but but also encourage balance in, in lifestyle, in food choices and exercise and things like that yeah absolutely and stigma is only a barrier to achieving moderation at the end of the day because stigma is just it gets in the way of open conversations and accessing services and at the end of the day if we get rid of stigma whether that's on large you know body types small body types anything if we get rid of stigma it just opens people up to accessing moderation so it's not helpful um in any way that's great thanks for that that was very um uh, might I add that that was totally off the cuff from you there? Yeah, so it was. That's a very impressive answer. <laughs> off the cuff, although this is my day job, really. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, right, Molly, I've got to ask this question now. Are you ready to get balls deep? I'm ready, always. Good. Um, <laughs> Again, that's my day job. What is your current state of mind? I think my current state of mind, which has been a new kind of mindset in the last couple of months is, which I actually said to my supervisor when they asked how I was doing. And I said, I'm just surviving, not thriving, which I think is my new mindset. Because when I started and actually probably the media didn't help with this, but I wanted to be this brilliant doctor straight in. Here's my job that I've been working for for six years. I want to be, you know, doing some teaching on the side. I want to be impressing all my colleagues. And at the end of the day at the moment we just need to be getting through each day and I was trying to achieve too much I think and now that I'm in this new mindset of just getting through each day is an achievement and getting through each week is an achievement just at the moment surviving each day and getting out the other end unscathed is an achievement and I just need to have that as my goal not try and achieve too much so just yeah surviving not thriving (laughs) yeah just pacing yourself yeah absolutely I really relate to that. Um, I've talked in some of these conversations about my experience of right at the beginning of lockdown, and you know, while we don't we don't have similar careers by any means, but I can relate to that sort of pressure to to want to have like that immaculate routine, be smashing it at work, picking up projects on the side. You know, there was uh, opportunity for me to sort of go into schools and things like that to talk about career things, and yeah. you know, trying to pick up all of this stuff, but you cannot expect yourself in a new career to really um carry that continually or or persist with that because it's not sustainable really is it no absolutely and um do you agree that you know as soon as you try and take on all those extra things you lose that simplicity that we were discussing like sleeping eating exercising um, and yeah that yeah ultimately that's the most important thing for surviving isn't it yeah i think it comes back to what you said about moderation like you can have you can have all of these positive things, maybe little bits in your routine, but if you're, yeah, it, you might be ticking a load of boxes, but somewhere along the line, you're going to have to forego other things, like whether that's a good night's sleep, whether that's your daily exercise. Um, you know, you've really, we've really got to work for this balance. Um, and I do think that's the hardest thing. Like I said to you earlier, I've got this um, unreleased conversation with my mate about work-life balance and I think it's something that everyone struggles with like particularly at our age particularly starting your new your new career um and especially for someone like you who's who's trained for six years for this one thing 
um, it's it's really hard to not just throw everything at it mm. and and throw everything else out. You know, sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And as as you say, you have to you forgo other other things if you put too much into it. And and we can't afford at the moment to lose a night's sleep or to lose um, that hour of exercise. At the moment, those things are even more important. So we can't afford to just oh have that one kind of night that we don't sleep properly it's too precious at the moment I think yeah surviving not thriving okay I'm (laughs) on board with that I think um Molly can you share something that you're still struggling with I think downtime I think that's and how we achieve that downtime and how we achieve that escapism from life at the moment I'm still struggling with and as I said that I go to work and it's it's hectic and it's busy and it's full of COVID and then I come home and um, the news is obviously on and we're talking to people over Zoom which again just reminds you of the situation and just taking yourself totally out of life at the moment just for an hour or so um, just every day is just total downtime and I'm, I'm still struggling to make sure I have that and struggling to take myself out of this crazy world that we're in Um, and I think it's important isn't it just to put your phone to the side, put the news to the side, put, you know, all of the those sorts of negative energy to the side, um, yeah. just at least for a bit of time. So I'm still struggling with forcing myself to have just some total downtime. I think, yeah, I do think it's really hard. I do think it also comes into what we just talked about, about sort of perpetually being like working towards something or, or throwing yourself into your career. Um, but yeah, it's so hard to sort of relinquish that time and it might be the the simplest things like for me I enjoy journaling or I enjoy reading or writing and it's but it's the one thing that I would never set time aside for and and there's some sort of resistance in me to to that sort of peace that downtime like you say um like away from everything else like being able to put your phone a friend of mine puts her phone off at at 8 p.m and and Mm. sort of winds down and yeah, we all know that that's what we should be doing, but there's there's some resistance in us that makes that so, so difficult. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you're the same, but I find that I don't feel like I'm achieving anything by giving myself that hour or, you know, I had a puzzle on the go and I would love to just sit and do that for an hour, but I don't feel like I'd gain anything, but actually it's adjusting your mindset. You gain a huge amount by just having that hour of to yourself and downtime. And I think you might not be physically ticking a box like in your jobs list or something but you are achieving a huge amount in that hour so um yeah it is so important yeah definitely something to strive for um can you tell me what's the last thing that made you smile the last thing that moves i mean i have to say i i am so lucky in so many ways at the moment that i still get to have social interaction and mix with the general public and because because ultimately people make us happy and social interaction does and and people make me laugh and that's one of the reasons why I chose <laughs> medicine because working with the general public is highly entertaining and I think my <laughs> patients do make me smile every day. Um, actually, a couple of it must have been about ten days ago now. I had a lovely, she was ninety two year old lady who'd come in with some chest pain, and um, I said to I was doing a full kind of clarking when she came in so getting a full history and examining her and I said I said so so you live on your own um she was 92 and I said do you have any help at home does anyone do anything for you and she just looked there and she really thought about this really seriously and she just goes well 
I do have a window cleaner. <laughs> and I was just like, I think I wrote on my notes, I was like, independent. <laughs> uh, I was just like, that just really made me smile. And I was like, it just reminded me how lucky I am to just still be interacting with people from from two years old to 92 years old, because that is really just something that makes me really happy just to help people and chat to people. And that is what I'm, I'm in a very fortunate position at the moment. I still get that on a daily basis because people yeah. just make me smile. That's great. That's really lovely. That's that's a funny story as well. I can imagine she's obviously thinking that you might have had it in your head that she was cleaning her windows, like up a ladder with the hose. <laughs> she just clearly thought that that by definition meant she wasn't totally independent. And I was like, I was like, at 92, if you think that getting somebody to clean your windows is kind of admitting <laughs> defeat, then like you're doing pretty well. I think I was trying to persuade her that getting somebody to do her shopping might be acceptable at 92 but no only cleaning the windows she does everything else <laughs> wow what a champ that's amazing what a hero right molly i've it makes me cringe to ask this next question because it's <laughs> it can be a bit of a bit of a hard hitter okay I'm ready. what do you consider to be the lowest depth of misery and that can be that doesn't have to be tell me about a time you were sad that can be what you know what lifestyle choice or you know, way of being, mode of being, do you consider to be, I don't know, inadequate or something that you're striving against? Well, I guess, I guess on the, on the flip side of the joy of dealing with the public every day is that I do see what I would consider the kind of depths of misery in people every day. You know, I, I see those, what I would consider the lowest points in people's lives. I'm seeing people when they are at their lowest or they're experiencing the lowest points in relatives lives or um and so I think for me those patients that come in in at that point that I consider that lowest depth of misery and, and thankfully I don't think I felt that myself but seeing people who've just lost sight in the fact that people can help them or care for them and and as somebody who's there to help people um I think the saddest position to see is patients that f- have lost that knowledge that people do want to help or that there are people to help and there are patients that come in with just at the lowest point without that belief that there is help out there uh, yeah. even though I'm standing there in front of them trying to help them they can't really believe that anyone would want to help them and I think that's just such a a really difficult place for me to watch somebody be in and I'd say that's the point that I just consider is the hardest to experience whether that's yeah on on either side of that is just me saying I want to help you but then not quite seeing that help is possible so what how would you describe that is that is that a lack of, of faith in humanity or is it an isolation loneliness or something like that I think it's probably when people have probably been suffering with mental health issues or physical health issues for so long with no with no improvement that they just lose that ability to believe that things will get better and then people can get so and in these situations again you go back into that survival mode but you forget that there are others around you and at the moment of course during covid we're having less interaction i think people become so lonely and forget that there are others out there that want to help and support them um and so it's just that almost tunnel vision and that's probably what causes them to just not see everyone that's around them loving and caring and supporting for them what do you do in that situation? Like, what what would your encouragement be to someone who feels like that? I think even the simplest things, like just just saying, "Look, I want to help you," um, is where you start. 
and just explaining how that help might what what it might look like just and just explaining the services that are available which pre people probably aren't even aware of and it's easy as a doctor to just think that everyone's so aware of all these different support systems there are out there but some people don't even know that they exist so it's a really basic position of just saying look actually there are so many people that want to help and obviously once we're through crisis points and things then it's just rebuilding people's lives back up and it's a long process but I think there is there is the way out of the depths of misery or whatever you describe it as but, um, that is a point but I think and it's a point that many people might get to but it definitely doesn't have to be like that forever no that's great um as a little aside as a doc what's your <laughs> what are your top three mental health resources oh that's a good question um number one at the moment I would say there's a thing called TalkWorks, which is a, being a massive support to junior doctors and healthcare professionals that are struggling at the moment. So that's a massive one because I think mental health in doctors, even at the best of times, is is an issue. So I think TalkWorks are being doing a great job there. Um, the Mind website has loads of incredible resources, loads of incredible um, self-help guides. And this new... A relatively new service called Shout. I don't know if you've heard about it. Um, yeah, I think I have actually. Is incredible. Now I don't know the number off the top of my head, and I should. But you can twenty four hours a day, you can text Shout to a. It's like a five digit number, um, and there will always be somebody on the end of the phone that texts you back if you're in a um, a situation where you need somebody. So that that's exactly what I'm saying. There will always always be somebody that will help, even if you don't feel like it's friends or family. Even if you're just on the end of that phone line, there'll always be somebody. Yeah, Miles, that's spot on. Um, actually, I think on the podcast Insta, I'm following Shout. It's eight five two five eight. You can text okay. Shout for the twenty four seven support. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, if I have any spare time in the future, I'd love to help with those sorts of things because I think that's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Oh, that's wicked! Thanks for sharing that. No um, Molly, this is the last one. Where do you find meaning? where I find meaning um I think probably I've realized this year and I don't think I'd realized this probably before this year um if for me just having I really just value having some purpose and having feeling like I'm giving and ultimately that's probably why I chose to do medicine but I just have feeling like I have a purpose and feeling like I can help and feeling like I'm contributing is just ultimately what I feel it is to have meaning um and that doesn't have to that's not to say that by being a doctor is the way we can help people whether that's just knowing that once a week that you go and give your grandparents their shopping that's such a purpose in life or you know that just you're going to ring your parents every day and make them happy and make their week that is having some purpose and I think for me just having purpose and knowing that I'm benefiting those around me in some way is just ultimately where I get my meaning from I think that's great yes kindness supporting others connection yeah yeah I'd say yeah just just being kind as you say I think again stripping back to simplicity is just it that's just ultimately such a simple thing and we can so easily forget in the complexity and craziness of life and we can so easily forget in the hospital when it's so busy and we're all in PPE we're running around just forget you know your please and thank yous and how are you and just smiling I think just being kind is just ultimately all we need to do to get meaning from our lives 
That's really good. That's really good. Moles, thanks so much. Some of your questions, some of your answers, sorry, have been, I'd, I'd say some of, sorry, let me say that again. All of your answers have been absolutely spot on. I've, I've loved every second of this. Um, I really appreciate your time. Thanks oh, for coming on. That was really nice to chat. Yeah, it's great. Really great. There we go. Episode four with Dr. Molly Deneen. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, please leave a review if you're listening on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Um, you can check out the Instagram at balls.deep.pod. Yeah, I love hearing what you guys think of them and the bits that you find useful. It's really inspiring. So yeah, DMs are always open. Just all the normal stuff. Share it if you can. That would be great. Tell your cousin. Tell your dog. Go for a run. Listen to the pod. Tell tell your neighbours. Tell NHS Track and Trace when they phone you up. Tell them it's what's getting you through. Balls Deep Pod. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye.